Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Sukun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always for our weekly Cares and Dares episode is my co-host, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne Cohen. Hey everyone. Alright, as usual, we're going to give you our Scare of the Week and review the horror movie, I Trapped the Devil. And then we're going to provide you with our player prop bet that we dare to make in the AFC and NFC Conference Championship game this weekend. So, without further ado, let's get this rolling. All right, our Scare of the Week, as I said, is the 2019 IFC Midnight Horror Movie, I Trapped the Devil, starring A.J. Bowen, Susan Burke, and Scott Poitras, and directed and written by Josh Lobo. You can find this brisk one-hour and 22-minute movie streaming on Hulu. So this movie generally revolves around four characters, Steve, his brother Matt, Matt's wife Karen, and whoever is locked in the basement. So if that didn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. Well, let's put a pin on that basement guy and get back to that in a minute. So Matt and Karen arrive unexpectedly to visit Steve for the Christmas holidays and find some peculiar things going on, like blacked out windows, multiple tracks in the snow outside the house, and the very bizarrely behaving Steve, who tells Matt and Karen that they can't stay with him. Now, it turns out Matt and Karen don't care what Steve thinks, and they decide to stay anyway. And as things continue, weirdness abounds, with Steve continuously seeing visions of his dead wife and the static of his TV and multiple disturbing phone calls from an unknown person. Finally, after much inquisition from Matt and Karen, Steve relents and shows them a padlocked door in his basement bearing a cross, informing them that something evil conjured itself in the shape of a man and he trapped it behind the door. Now, Matt and Karen here, a man behind the door plead to be released and thus goes the rest of the movie, which revolves around whether Matt and Karen and you, the viewer, believe that Steve actually trapped the devil in his basement or if he's gone crazy and just trapped an innocent person there or something in between. Okay, with that set up, Joanne, what do you think of this movie? Interesting. I have now watched this movie uh... three times. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot. It is a lot. Even at an hour and 22 minutes, it's a lot. And now I'm thinking I should watch all horror movies three times. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Well, that's going to be a lot more watching than (laughs) that level. Jeez. Um, Yeah. And so what do you think? So after three times, your, your impression. Well, without giving anything away, you really wonder is Steve going crazy? Mm-hmm. Is what he sees actually in his head and he just randomly captured this man and locked him in this basement or is this man really the devil? Right. Now, we don't want to give anything away, so we're not going to give you the... The actual discussion. resolution. Right, right. A discussion that like <laughs> we had. Yes, we had a very intense discussion about the ending of the movie. And, and, and hit us up on social media if you want to get in on that discussion. But we're not going to spoil it for you. Go right. ahead. But you, I think one of the good things about this movie is the psychological makeup of mm-hmm. it. Um, because I think like when something traumatic happens, people do tend to... You know, like if you lost a wife, a child, or whatever it is, a mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. you 
continuously kind of see that person. It's like a, it's like sure. that whole theory of that. It's like an after image, right? Phantom limb. Yeah, right, exactly. You lose an arm, you use the leg, and it still feels like it's there, right. but it's not. Right. So this is kind of something similar. He sees his wife. Is his wife there? Right. Um, his brother and his wife also start, you know, hearing and seeing things. Yep. But, you know, is it really, you know, the devil or is it just trapped in Steve's psychosis? Yeah, sure. Uh, because you're set in a house where it's trimmed to the nines for the holidays. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And yet like, it's not Christmas at all. Well, yeah. I mean, it is supposedly Christmas, but who knows? It's unclear. They, they say they're there for the holidays. <laughs> but it's unclear. Right, they didn't even bring any gifts. No, they just kind of showed up. Yeah. So that's kind of rude. rude. Pretty rude. Yeah, really rude. Bad, <laughs> bad etiquette. Do not show up at someone's house without a gift for the Christmas holiday. I'm just saying. I mean, just at least bring a, a bottle of wine. Yeah, I mean, at can, minimum. Right, yeah, nine bucks. Yeah. Come on, go to Costco and pick up some, you know, Kirkland wine. What the heck? Don't be a cheap ass. So, and, and I think the fact that it, um, it really relies a lot on the intense music yeah. uh, that goes on throughout the movie. Uh, I, I don't think there's uh, a lot of the tense scenes. There wasn't much dialogue. It mm-hmm. was all the music. Yeah, and, and, and I think the, the, the atmosphere yes. they built, right? Because it was a little bit claustrophobic. Right. It's and, all and, done and in the house. Dark. Yep. It's like very dark. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in these intense movies, all you have is the music and like the facial expressions and the environment that really kind of makes it tense and, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of like are wondering like what is kind of going on here. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, the, the first time I'm going to admit, like I kind of, I, I did not see the whole thing through. Yes. Yes. I'm not selectively, gonna say why. selectively rested her eyes. I'm not going to say why, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I felt the need that I had to watch it just to make sure that I had the same feeling as I did when I watched it the first time. Yep. And I, I did. Uh, I think like you could rest your eyes for like 10 or 15 minutes and still get the gist of this movie. Well, yeah, I'm, I think that's true. And I, I think I had the feeling that <laughs> this is actually could have been an episode for a horror anthology, you know, sort of like, you know, not yes. like, not, not black mirror or creep no. show, but something like that, you know, yeah. like this could have been a one hour episode of a horror anthology yeah. and done, and been done just as well. Yeah. There really is only one real issue here. And, you know, the imagery and all the, and the music and all that is terrific, but, um, you know, it wasn't really necessary to get up to an hour and 22. Right. You could have truncated that, like, 23 minutes, and you would have had the same feeling, mm-hmm. the same emotion, which doesn't mean that it's bad. No. And it wasn't badly no, done. No, it was very enjoyable. Um, I think it was pretty straightforward, though. It was because it was that one track. Is it is it real or is it not real? Is yeah. it in his mind or is it not in his mind? Right. There isn't much else going on there. No, no. I mean, the question of the psychological underpinnings of what's happening, as you find out the fact that um, Steve had lost his wife and daughter at an earlier time in an unspecified accident, and the fact that there is maybe some issues brewing between Karen and uh, Matt as well, where it's very unclear what's happening between the two of them. So, you know, obviously, and obviously the two brothers don't get along super well, so there's also that kind of animosity. So there's a lot of background psychosis here, psychology here that we don't see. Right, which and is, they don't really go into it. No, they, they don't go into it that yeah. much. They, they kind of rely on you not knowing, knowing that there is a problem, but not knowing specifically what it is. Right, uh, and we all get what that feels like. Right, so. right. So that adds to a little bit to the of the tenseness to the, to the entire uh, movie because there's a lot of unknowns that are kind of floating on the periphery there. 
Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, the way I feel about it as well. And I think that it, it was uh, relatively well done. And uh, according to Rotten Tomatoes, 74% on the tomato meter by 38 reviews. Audience score surprisingly lower than that at 40% of 100 plus reviews. The critics consensus on this movie is a slow burning horror story that takes spine tingling advantage of its setting and cast. I Trapped the Devil marks an auspicious debut for writer-director Josh Lobo. So uh, what do you think? Out of four stars, what are you going to give this one? Um, you know, I'm going to give it a two. A two? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that, uh, that's about right. I'm going to – I'm kind of tempted to go a little bit over a two, but – I know, like a 2.1, 2.2. Exactly, right. Uh, Not quite two and a half. But right, yeah. Somewhere between two and two and a half. Because I did think it was better than the average horror film. I did enjoy it. I did appreciate that it was an hour and 22 minutes and not longer than that, um, you know, but the, at the same time, you know, it could have been much shorter. And it's, it's very much more psychological horror than it is a true gory horror type. Yeah, movie. it definitely wasn't a slasher by right. any stretch of the I mean, but you do get some blood out there. It's, yeah. It's not all, you know, dry. It's a, it's a lot of imagery. I mean, I think that there's a lot of imagery involved in this. And yeah. I think that the uh, director did a great job of kind of putting that imagery in the place that makes you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. So it was enough to make you feel uncomfortable. And the music, as you mentioned before, Trent, it really does add to it. So I think we both agree, two stars out of four. Maybe a smidgen over there if we get to 2.1 or 2.2. If, if that was even if possible. If that was possible. That was possible. I, I, let's not create a whole new grading yeah, scale here. We don't need to. Uh, but that's, I think we agree on that one. And, but it's definitely worth a watch on yeah. Hulu. Yeah. You know, like I said, only an um, hour and 22 minutes. Yeah, if, you're out, if you have some time and you're looking for a psychological thriller, yeah. uh, it's I don't think like it's really that well known either. It's so. not probably doesn't have. I don't think it had wide distribution. Yeah. So you know, um, take advantage of it on Hulu while you can. Watch it at night with the lights off, and uh, I'll add to the atmosphere. <laughs> and add some Christmas lights. Add some Christmas lights, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. You're all set. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, and end that section and hit the boxing bell on that part of the show. Okay, having some problems there. All right, so let's move on to the dares part of this, and that is the prop bets that we dare to make in the AFC and NFC Conference Championship Games. So, Joanne, why don't you give us your first prop bet? So my first prop bet is Patrick Mahomes Mm -hmm. over and under 290.5 passing yards only. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go with the over. Okay, all right. And uh, tell us why. You know, it's funny. Um, during the postseason, Patrick Mahomes has averaged 391 passing yards. Uh, that's two games, but still 391 passing yards. Against the Steelers in the regular season, uh, Mahomes had 258 passing yards. Um, against the Bills, he had 272. But during the postseason games he had 404 passing yards against pittsburgh yeah and 378 against buffalo yeah that is like a lot of yards a lot of yards <laughs> a lot of yards yeah. <laughs> and so um i'm gonna say that patrick mahomes kind of keeps that momentum going i mean that game against the bills was incredible and also incredibly disappointing for me yeah. um, <laughs> and all bills fans i'm sure everybody in buffalo fans, yes uh but I don't see why Patrick Mahomes will, you know, take his foot off the gas. I mean, he's going to keep up the m- momentum, and he's just going to exceed that number of 290.5. And when you talk about defense, uh, the Bengals passing defense and the Chiefs passing defense, they're the same. They're about the same. Right. Both terrible. Yep. 
So um, they, I think he's just going to let it fly. Let it fly. It doesn't matter. Yep. You know, the Bills were number one, and he put up the, all those points against the Bills passing defense. Yep. So yep. why not? Why wouldn't he do it against the Bengals? Yeah, I totally agree. And, of course, that just kind of leads me into talking about last week's picks because you were also letting it ride on Patrick Mahomes last week <laughs> with 300.5 total passing and rush yards. Yeah, and you that took was the, easier. You took the over on that one, and that clearly hit. And, of course, you took Tom Brady with over 25.5 completions, and that also hit. So congratulations to you, Joanne. You had two for two last week. Finally. Yes, bringing you up to, uh, I believe, that makes nine of 14 picks. So nine of 14. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I uh, also had two picks last week, by the way, and one of them was great, Jamar Chase. At over 78.5 total receiving yards, hit that one. Aaron Rodgers, however, let me down and let down all of Wisconsin by only like not hitting 260.5 total passing yards and not winning the game. Yes. So but you're really happy about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm actually so. pretty happy about that. It's a good trade-off since I hate the Packers. Uh, missing my prop bet, not so bad. Not so bad. No, yeah. I'm okay with this. I'm <laughs> going to be able to live with this. So that uh, is, uh, is great. That puts me at 10 and 14. So we're neck and neck coming into this NFC-NFC championship game. So let me give you my first pick of the week, and that is Cooper Cup at over-under 95.5 total receiving yards. Again, Cooper Cup against the San Francisco 49ers at over-under 95.5. I take the over on 95.5 receiving yards. Let me know. Let me tell you why. Because, you know, we all know, and OBJ knows, that the Rams offense runs through Cooper Cup. Cup has 145 catches from 191, 191 targets. And he paces the Rams with 1,947 receiving yards. That's 114.5 receiving yards per game this season. And so far, and, and quite frankly, he has the most receiving yards of any receiver in the postseason. postseason. That, that's not so bad. I mean, it's only in two games. But he also has the most receiving yards of any wide receiver in the NFL this season by a very wide margin. The next closest wide receiver was Justin Jefferson, who had over 300 less receiving yards than Cooper Cup. And what about Devontae Adams, you ask? Well, Adams had almost 400 less receiving yards this season than Cooper Cup. In fact, Cooper Cup, 1,947 receiving yards this season, is the second most by any wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Only Calvin Megatron Johnson had more, 1,964 in 2012 for the Lions. So, yeah, Cooper Cup is pretty good. He was essentially 17 yards away from being the best ever. So far this season, 31.5% of the 607 passes thrown by Matthew Stafford have gone to Cup. He's only fallen short of 95 yards twice this entire season. And we know that the Rams are a pass-first team this year. The Rams have thrown the football 59.1% of of their plays from scrimmage this year, while staying on the ground 40.9% of the time. So it's clear that the Rams prefer to throw the ball on offense. Now, Cup has faced the 49ers twice this year, weeks 10 and 18, both times he exceeded 95.5 receiving yards with 122 and 118 receiving yards, respectively. The only caveat is that the Rams surprisingly lost both those games to the 49ers. So it's possible that he may try to switch it up and lean more heavily on Cam Akers, who was not available for either of the regular season games. I was leaning more heavily on Sony Michelle so as to maintain some ball control. But that being said, Cup is definitely their top weapon. I don't see him falling short of 95.5 receiving yards thing is how that's almost 20 yards below his per game average. So there you go. I'm taking the over of Cooper Cup on 95.5 receiving yards. All right. What's your second pick here, Joanne? My second pick is um, Joe Burrow. All right. 
He is over and under 287.5 passing yards only, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with the over. Okay. So during the regular season, Joe Burrow had 446 passing yards against Kansas City when they played. Mm-hmm. They won that game 34-31. to All right. Um, and, you know, that's not entirely the Chiefs' fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I mentioned, the passing defense among both teams are pretty bad. Yep. So, you know, uh, but I'm going to dare to take this pick because for one reason, and that is because Joe Burrow and the Bengals have been on a tear since week 16. They sure have. The regular season. Yep. 525 passing yards against the Baltimore Ravens. Wow. Um, uh, but let's all point, also point out the Ravens have the worst passing defense this season. I yeah. mean, they were ranked the bottom. Yes, they were terrible. Yeah. I mean, I say the Chiefs and the Bengals are bad. I mean, the Ravens were the pits. The pits, yes. <laughs> The absolute pit. You can't get any lower. The, I mean, they were ranked the worst. very bottom. That's right. That's right. And um, so, but like, even with that, I mean, still like 525 passing yards, yeah, nothing to see really that. good. Yep. And with a completion percentage rating of 80.4, that's ridiculous. That is really good. Yeah. I I just have to say, like, they are really on rhythm, and yep. I think that they are going to keep that momentum going. Yep. And so for Burrow, and I mean, the fact that he was able to defeat the Chiefs in Week 17. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the fact that like they beat, they went through the, uh, Raiders, mm-hmm. 244 passing yards. They mm-hmm. went against Tennessee and won mm-hmm. 348 passing yards. I yep. mean, now they are one step away from getting the Super Bowl. Yes. And I, and, and this has nothing to do with facts. Well, some of it is facts. It, it but, sounds like facts. <laughs> um, no, this next part. But, right. uh, <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm going to, I want the Bengals. To beat the Chiefs. Okay. The I'm sure Chiefs, you're not alone on that one. <laughs> the Chiefs, it, they're a great team. Yeah. They won in 2020 yep. against the 49ers. Yep. The Bengals have never won a Super Bowl. Yep. And why would they? They had Andy Dalton as their quarterback yeah. in 2011. That's so true. why. Right. Um, but regardless of that, I want to see a team that has not been to the Super Bowl mm-hmm. to get there. And that is the Bengals. Yep. So, no facts. I don't know any stats. I'm just saying, like, I'm going to cross my fingers, and I'm going to say that the Bengals just ride this this, this wave. Yeah. Wave, yes, yeah. and beat the Chiefs. All right. And uh, you're taking the over on 287.5. You have to get the over. To beat the to beat the Chiefs, you've yeah. got to do better than 287.5. It's going to be a, it's gonna be a it. shootout. I think it's going to be a big shootout. Um, okay, well that's that's a very interesting pick, good pick, and uh, they've got you got them on both sides there, I know, battling yeah. it out. I'm gonna say I wanna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a really big, uh, like high scoring game. So take the over yeah. on whatever the over under is. Take the over. I wanna, <laughs> I wanna say it is. All right, so uh, my second pick and the last pick of the week is Jimmy Garoppolo. The the prop bet is over under 224.5 passing yards against the aforementioned L.A. Rams, and I'm gonna take the under on 224.5 passing yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. And let me tell you why. So Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been fairly good this season. So don't get me wrong. And in the regular season, he's, he was pretty solid. But 
He was also inconsistent, having four games over 300 passing yards and five games under 200 passing yards. And that also goes for the two games in which he faced the Rams, because he did face the Rams twice this season, uh, where he had one game over 300 yards and one game under 200 yards. So he's basically schizophrenic. Sometimes he's, he's Superman, and sometimes he can't hit this broadside of a barn. But what we've seen in the postseason is that Jimmy G is getting really conservative. He's thrown... He's thrown for only 172 yards against the Cowboys, only 131 yards against the Packers. In addition, his completion percentage dropped from being in the 70s to just 64% against the Cowboys and just 57.8% against the Packers. On the other side, the Rams defense have been playing out of their minds this postseason, allowing just 215 passing yards per game against the two, high, the two highest powered passing offenses in the NFL with Kyler Murray in the Cardinals and Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. The Rams limited the combo of Murray and Brady to a passer rating of just 60.1. That's ridiculously low. Jimmy G has been solid, but he's not Kyler Murray, and he's not Tom Brady. Do the 49ers have a chance to beat the Rams again in the postseason? Of course they do. But will it be on the back of Jimmy G in the passing game? I don't think so. If the 49ers win, it'll be based on their defense and their special teams and Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel running the ball. Thus, I like my chances at Jimmy G being under 224.5 passing yards in this game against the Rams. So before we close this off, any thoughts on uh, on my picks there? Um, I have to agree with you uh, about Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm sorry to say, uh, really disappointing. In first season, this season, he's been pretty healthy and he's been out there, but he they would not have won last week's game if not for their special team. Oh yeah, I no mean, definitely. Like, and defense. And de- well, regardless, the offense could yeah. not move that ball. Yeah. I mean, it was in spite of Jimmy Garoppolo. It was in spite of right. It, it wasn't that because of the him. right way to say it. It right. was in spite of him, and and not just him, but the offense that it just could not move that ball to the red zone. It yeah. was just unbelievable. It just sputtered. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's and you're totally right. If he uh, if he he I don't see him passing you know 200 yards like. That's just, I, I mean, like, I don't even know if he will pass like 150. <laughs> well, he didn't pass it last week, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, and clearly, he's going to be relying very, very heavily on his defense and special teams once again. That's, right. my, that's my thought, at least. Well, uh, let's hope they practice a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because the special teams, they aren't out there that much, but no. they accounted for basically all their points. They did, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hope they have a few tricks up their sleeves. I know. The only way I know, I know. Score. It was a fun one. All right, so let's go ahead and. Hit the air horn on the show because that's all the time we have for today. All right, Joanne, give us your social media so people can follow you. It is at Kung Fu for you on Twitter. All right, so you go ahead and give her a follow so that you can uh, check out all the great tweets that she has and ask her questions about her prop bets. As usual, you can find me on Twitter at FB Garbage Time, and you can find us on Facebook as Football Garbage Time. Thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, enjoy your scares and dares and dare to meet those tough bets in the AFC and NFC Conference Championships and enjoy your NFL week. Good luck.